Welcome to the Rural Insights Podcast, where we explore rural actions and policies that impact Michigan's Upper Peninsula and beyond. This podcast is brought to you by the Rural Insights Institute, working to ensure that rural citizens and policymakers alike have the information necessary to make good decisions. If you'd like to learn more about Rural Insights, visit ruralinsights.org. Now, here's your host, David Haynes. Good evening, everyone. Uh, to this, we welcome you to this edition of Rural Insights uh, video and podcast. And we're really pleased to have uh, two distinguished public servants with us tonight. And that is the mayor of Marquette, Jenna Smith, the Honorable Jenna Smith, and Commissioner Cody Mayer of, uh, of Marquette. Uh, both of them uh, uh, are dealing with very compounded problems that every city around the United States is dealing with big, small, and middle. So let me, let me just start with a, uh, with a concept of, uh, of what, what are the biggest challenges each of you see for rural cities? You know, we have, we have what I count as, you know, five big, five cities of size, uh, and they're important cities. They're important to the economy of the, of the region and the state. But what do you think are the challenges uh, that you face in, in, a, in a rural city in the next few years. Yeah, you know, thank you, David. I appreciate you having us on. And I would say one of the biggest challenges is probably funding and revenue. Um, and that's something that is a challenge for a city or a, a municipality of any size. But, you know, in Marquette especially, we're, you know, we're the biggest in the UP or one of the biggest anyway, any in any way you measure it. Um, but that's difficult when we are geographically separated pretty far away from downstate from other similar sized communities. So um, we've got to really work with some of our, our wonderful partners and municipalities who are much smaller size and find a way to work together. Um, it, funding is an issue. I would say staffing can be an issue. We've got amazing talent in the city of Marquette and we do everything we can to retain them. And when a position does come open, it can be pretty difficult to fill because again, geographically we're limited. But I would say that that geography, I think we all know and love here in Marquette, you know, to the North, we're limited by Lake Superior, but I wouldn't really say that's a limitation. That's probably one of our greatest resources. So it's uh, it's definitely a catch 22 and, and we see the advantages as well, but um, doesn't make it any less, less, uh, of a, a hassle sometimes when we're dealing with, with funding, especially. Commissioner Mayor, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I, th- I think you're right, Jonah, the, the lack of revenue that a lot of our communities here in the UP have, or I should say all of our communities have, uh, it, it makes things a lot more difficult on our side, on the more local side of trying to figure out how to solve issues when they arise, and even trying to plan ahead. Um, and, you know, just even on a couple issue basis that just our community space, you know, everyone's struggling with housing across the country right now. But rural communities struggle with having Internet access for our residents. We struggle with having any sort of options when it comes to child care. Uh, there's a lack of access to health care as well, typically in rural communities. Um, and not only that, there's there is just less better paying jobs for residents to be able to afford any of those other things that 
quite frankly, typically common or to have up here. So one of the, we did some research on rural insights uh, using some students at Northern Michigan University helped me to look at childcare costs. And we were interviewed, we've interviewed a lot of single mothers and fathers and parents, working parents at uh, six, $700 per child per month uh, for, for, uh, for, for uh, childcare. Um, whether they're a professor, a police officer, a Walmart employee, it doesn't matter. Everyone's dealing with it. Do you, do you, is this an issue that you all deal with uh, and, and think about in the city? All the time. This is an issue that I am extremely passionate about as an individual. To date, childcare is not a direct strategic or master planning goal, but that's something I'm hoping that we can um, get into our questionnaire as we get into the master planning process in the next year or so. Um, this is a topic that I spend some of my free time working on with uh, folks at the state level, with folks in our community. Uh, as a mom to two children under the age of five, it is extremely difficult to find childcare even when you have resources in this community. So I know those who do not have resources, it becomes even more difficult. You know, I paid more for childcare for two kids than I do for my mortgage. And I know many people that do the same. And um, it is really hard to find quality childcare for, especially for children under the age of three. So the infants are, are the most difficult in our community. And, um, you know, on that same note, I had a conversation today about, about car seats. So, you know, there are the traditional city things that I'm working on, but there are a lot of things on the side that as an active member in the community and someone who, people see is connected, you end up getting pulled in on. And it, that's kind of the, the fun of it for me is trying to problem solve and help out in the community. But, um, the, you know, childcare, again, to date is not a specific goal of the city of Marquette to be working on. But I do see it as a really strong correlation with our talent attraction and retention with our, um, you know, low income, middle income um, folks and, and helping them kind of get set and get ahead. And um, I, I think it's a critical issue, especially coming out of COVID. I think we realized how, how dire that need has become. Commissioner, you want you have a view on this? You want to jump in? Anything? Yeah, I, you know, as someone that has a, you know, a, a toddler, I can attest to the fact that it is very difficult to find childcare that doesn't cost $65 a day. Um, and like uh, Mayor Smith pointed out, having a child under three, there are additional hoops you have to go through and typically more you have to pay for that. And it does make it difficult. And coming out of COVID, like you were talking about, David, like, you know, a lot of people got to work from home remotely during the pandemic. And now we're coming out of that and some people have to leave their jobs because they can't afford their job plus the daycare. It just doesn't make sense. And it's, it is definitely one of those challenges that it's, it's difficult to face because like Jenna said, I would love for the city to try to focus on this, but it's one of these issues where we need state partners to help with something like this. It's just not something the city can do on its own. It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I've been, we've been, we've been working on the data here on the impact of the child uh, care tax credit and the estimates federally and in Michigan, the governor's office that it reduces poverty by 50% uh, with that, with that help of several hundred dollars a month uh, towards this. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch in Marquette 
how that that happens. It's such a huge issue, and I hear it all the time as we're talking. I have to tell you, as somebody uh, who, who looks at me, a video knows I'm pretty old. So I had a uh, I had a, looked up the other day, found a. I don't know how I found it, an old file. I'm sort of a paper rat. I found my daughter, my oldest daughter, Erin, who lives and works in Marquette. In, uh, in, in uh, 1970, she went to Tiny Tots Child Care, or 71, in, in Marquette. And when I looked at the number, I can't, I'm embarrassed to even say, at the time we were students and I was, I was shocked at how much it cost me. And now it's almost it's just stunning where it's gone from, too. Uh, one last thing on childcare, if you, you don't have to answer this or not, but it is interesting to me that the two biggest employers, uh, the, the, the hospital, a for-profit corporation, and uh, Northern Michigan University, a not-for-profit, if you will, state entity, uh, used to provide childcare. Uh, they no longer do. One of the arguments was, and this came up when I was president and it happened prior years, was the regulatory costs and liability costs. And I was talking to a number of employees at both institutions going, my goodness, they both have so much empty space. Why can't the city, county, and those two entities work on some sort of child care piece? And I thought, you know, that is sort of a, a way to find out if there's a I suppose, is there a liability waiver of some kind or something? But it, it, it just is so prevalent. So I'll go on from there. So what do you think, um, unless someone wants to say something to that? Um, I would just say that, I, you know, I've even a couple of years ago at MU, they were trying to get that started again. But the regulatory, you know, the red tape that has to be gone through, especially for the hardest to serve population, children under the age of three, is insurmountable. Um, and that's something that, I would really like to spend some more time with the state on having some conversations and how we can make that easier on our child care providers to be able to offer services. Other states do it differently and are able to provide care a little more easily with, you know, safe conditions. So um, that's something that I've been advocating for. Well, that'd be great. That'd be great. I, think, I think it'd be a great conversation of doing brainstorming with the state is how we can do that. Uh, uh, and be open to the ideas. I, I don't know if any of you watched Ted Lasso on, on TV, the series, uh, but Ted Lasso, it's a wonderful series that I have a quote in my column this week. And he, and he said, talking about being open to new ideas. And it said, he said, don't bring an umbrella to a brainstorm. You know, it's sort of, <laughs> you got to be open to finding a, maybe there's some solution. Well, that's great. But uh, let me uh, go back to you mentioned housing. Uh, that's the other one I hear when I'm interviewing people and people write to us and comments. We get a lot of email from folks about affordable housing. I know you all have had a task force on it, Marquette. I know Sault Ste. Marie is working on the issue of affordable housing in their community as they get an influx of federal workers and can you afford housing. Um, and any thoughts on the, just, I know you're working on it and, and you have task force. Any thoughts or updates about the issue of Marquette City affordable housing? Yeah, I would say that we we had a, an ad hoc committee on affordable housing, which is really focused on workforce housing, 
attainable housing. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's, it's to be able to afford living in Marquette for, you know, your average worker, maybe a teacher, a firefighter, workforce housing, right? People who want to live and work in Marquette that can't afford to buy the $400,000 house that's just popped up on the market. Um, you know, our next steps with that are to probably have a work session and we're, we're looking at maybe in December for the commission to look at the fine findings. There's a, several recommendations that committee put together, things like zoning, things like seeking partnerships, things like uh, getting creative with developers and, and how we uh, package things to make it more appealing for folks to offer that workforce type housing. So we're looking at all those options. We're pushing forward. At the same time, there's kind of an exciting task force at the county level that we just last night appointed one of our staff to. So while we are really excited to be working out at the city level, we know we can't do it alone. Our housing in, in the city of Marquette is limited. It would be great, and it is great, that we're starting to look at the more regional approach because you know people live in Marquette Township, which is right next door. I mean, I can almost see it out my window here and um, live, in Mar live in Marquette and work in Marquette, but they don't live in the city. And we need to be able to partner with those uh, neighboring communities and they call them bedroom communities at, at times, you know, to live in Chocolate Township out in Harvey. And right. I know that's the same um, in a lot of places. So, um, yeah, we're continuing to, to look at that and try to get creative. And I think you'll see some interesting potential developments coming in the, in the news in future weeks and months. Commissioner, any thoughts you want to add on housing? Yeah, and I would just add, you know, I would say at the start of this year, the housing market Marquette kind of started blowing up even more than it already was. And what I started noticing, and I think a lot of people did, was that there just wasn't a sufficient amount of any of affordable housing in the city itself. So a lot of people that wanted to live in Marquette or by Marquette, and you know maybe they still worked inside city limits, they started all trying to get places in the surrounding communities. And it, as a result, the county as a whole, the housing market's cost of buying a home increase substantially. Um, so I think this this county approach and this partnership we're looking at, you know, seeing if there's options there, I think it could be really beneficial because the city itself isn't going to be able to solve it, but taking more of that regional approach might have some better results. I, I, I think regionalism is a is a great concept to get us all to work throughout a place with only 300 thousand people in it uh, without regionalism we're in trouble probably in the future what uh any possibilities you know the hospital is no secret is owned by a global hedge fund a very very wealthy one uh they've got a lot of acreage of empty land uh sitting there uh any chances that the city and the state could come together with some state money and federal money to help clear that land and get so it becomes more marketable for affordable housing? Or is that just something that is an impossible thing to do? It's up to the owner of the property. You know, any... David, I think very few things are impossible. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think something will happen. Are you talking about the old hospital in Marquette? Yeah, I'm sorry. The old I think hospital. something will happen there. I don't know what exactly yet. It's definitely on our radar to be working on. We've got ongoing conversations and I think that um, we'll, we'll find a way that is, you know, for me talking about maybe either brownfields or getting creative. That's one of the top properties in my mind that we need to do something with. There's a few properties in Marquette that we have opportunity to develop on, but that one is so close to NMU to all a neighborhood, you know, right 
right near Third Street, which is part of our downtown corridor, we need to make sure that that doesn't become uh, an obsolete property. So we are working hard to see what we can do there. I, I don't think it'll be too long before we are able to find a solution. Cody, anything? I'm sorry, Commissioner, anything you want to add? Uh... It, you know, I, I would agree with that, but the that site would definitely require a strong public and partner, private partnership to make that a viable area to develop anything on. And to what Mayor Smith was saying, like the location itself is ideal for building some pretty significant amount of housing units there. And you, it, the area is already zoned mixed use, so it wouldn't be unrealistic either to even have some small local businesses in that area as well. So one other, we'll move on to it, but one other piece of, you know, one other chunk of property, which is a really nice chunk for the state and the university to come together on for uh, affordable housing for students or graduates or anybody is their Summit Street Apartments they took down. That's a huge chunk of property attached to the campus, uh, not as big as the uh, Apollo Hedge Fund property, but but it's a big, but you're right, there are sections all over the city. So I, that's encouraging to know that the city and the county and the region and the legislature is going to try to work together. So let's, you know, I don't want to keep you too long. Talk to me about what your vision is of the cities of the future. You know, I, I, um, I, uh, I, I'm of the age where you know you have more memories behind you than ahead of you. Uh, but I sort of like to think I could dream about the next five years. What do you think about Marquette and Houghton and, and Escanaba, Iron Mountain, uh, Sault Ste. Marie? What do you think about the, our cities of the future, rural cities of the future in the Upper Peninsula or in Michigan, for that matter? What do you see? I think everyone's dealing with a lot of challenges right now, but I also think there's a great amount of opportunity. So it's a really nice time for us in the city of Marquette and all the cities in the UP, all the municipalities, whatever that size may be, to take a step back, reflect on kind of the insanity that has been COVID, you know, financially, uh, emotionally, you know, what that meant for us for work and Zoom versus in person and all those things, and use us as a catalyst to ask the hard questions. What do we want the future to look like? So I know in Marquette, some of our goals is we're looking at moving forward while also recognizing our history and our past. So, you know, a big goal that we've been working on is that that Iron Ore Heritage Trail, which is is links many communities here in the Marquette area. And there's a potential grant that could do some really exciting things that we uh, approved support for last night. But in addition, we've been trying to get some more interpretive signage to help connect us to our past and, and kind of bridge that gap to the future, while also looking at things like climate change you know, Lakeshore Boulevard is a huge one, but when we do a new road, we want to make sure that we're looking at bigger floods potential. Um, when we're looking at potential recycling, which is a bit of an issue uh, question in Marquette right now with a grant that we have for recycling carts and uh, the potential mandate of those carts, which hasn't quite been determined yet, but um, I understand folks' concerns and we're looking at that. But, you know, we're trying to be innovative and push on a lot of fronts and uh, we'll, we'll adapt as we go. But I, I see bright things in the city of Marquette, city of Houghton, city of Sault Ste. Marie, Iron Mountain, Escanaba, Munising, all those great places. And I think we are really better together. I think we all do better. You know, the tide rises, when we, that, that concept of when one does well or when we all do well, we do better together. So um, I appreciate being able to lean on some of those folks and see what they've been up to and, and look to the future. Thanks, David.
Commissioner, add anything? Yeah, I, I would just add that, you know, innovation and creativity really is going to be a very large part to play for a lot of us up here in the UP. We just, we have to do things differently than a lot of the communities downstate would have to, um, for a lot of the reasons we already talked about. But, you know, I think taking, you know, Iron Mountain, Houghton, the Sioux, uh, Munising, Escanaba, Marquette, taking essentially those micropolitan communities that for the UP region, for us to really focus on being the economic drivers for the region as a whole, I think is going to have a really big impact on it and working on things like increasing, you know, our technology capabilities while also working on keeping the place vibrant, you know, focusing on keeping the environment that we've all come to know and love in the UP as vibrant as it is while still moving forward as the, the economic cities for the UP. Well, thank you. I, I, in closing, I just want to say I've been doing those are great comments from both of you. I really, really appreciate it. They're very interesting. It starts a lot of conversations uh, for us in the future. I've been checking around the UP on future leaders uh, of the election. It's happened across the country. Uh, future leaders like you uh, that are now leaders, a new generation of leaders coming in. And I was thinking there are five of you under 40 on the commission now. Is that right? Is there five? Uh, four, four of you, four under, four. Okay, four of you. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with being over 40. <laughs> I just want to point that out as someone who's been there way over 40. But, but it, 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 you know, I thought it was sort of fun. I was, I was wondering if it would be a great poster, a picture. It's sort of the Marquette squad, the four of you together. I, I just have this great vision of this new leaders at Marquette and, uh, as a motivational tool. We got to get one of those pictures like uh, the squad in Washington with you. But in any case, thank you for what you do. I know being an elected official in cities and school boards is a really hard job, and especially right now with our country so divided and people in some sectors so angry and other sectors, people hurting so bad to struggle their way through the economy and their kids and and, and things like you all raised, housing and taxes and childcare. Uh, so thank you for, for what you do. And uh, thank you for sharing this half hour with us. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sorry to interrupt to do this during your dinner hour, but thank you. You probably don't get to eat dinner very often, but anyway, thank you very much. Thank you, David, much appreciated. You're welcome, you. you're welcome. You've been listening to the Rural Insights Podcast, brought to you by the Rural Insights Institute, working to ensure that rural citizens and policymakers alike have the information necessary to make good decisions. If you enjoy our content, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. You can also subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting ruralinsights.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.